Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am, of course, Joe List. But I am also more than that. Am I not? Are you not more than just your name? Hmm? I'm saying this in a character-like voice, even though I do mean it. But I feel pretentious and silly. But am I Joe List or am I a living soul of a being? All right, that last part <clears throat> was a little silly. But anyways, my name is Joe List, but I, of course, am much more than that. As are you more than your name. I'm back into character again. All right, got to separate myself from this character. But it's fun to talk like this, particularly when you're alone in a room. And I am alone in a room. I'm in my uh, father-in-law's uh, office here in Houston, Texas. He has passed, but I am occupying the space temporarily, as was he, as are all of us, which uh, is leads us to today's episode topic, which is uh, death, grieving. Uh, my guest today is, I should ask how you are, but you can't really respond to me. I hope you're doing well. Anyways, my guest today is, if you follow my career and listen to um, my podcast, Tuesdays with Stories, certainly you know his name. If you don't know him, my guest is Jason Cantor, wonderful man, one of my best friends in the wide world, probably my best friend in comedy, and um, very special person to me. And uh, we just finished talking about an hour ago. We had a long conversation. This is one of the longer episodes, I think, maybe the longest. And uh, we talked about uh, drinking, sobriety, alcoholism. That's my wife yelling in the background to her <laughs> mother. I'm at my mother-in-law's house, as mentioned earlier. Um, anyways, we had a great conversation that we got into. Uh, we had a lot of requests to talk about, to hear about grief or dealing with death. And um, so I had Jason on. His sister passed away uh, about three years or four years ago. Whatever the night, she died the night La La Land won the Oscar and then had to give it to Moonlight. I think, I want to say February 2017, I suspect. Maybe it was February 2018 and it will be three years. I can't remember, but it was definitely whatever night. If you know that date, that was the date. We talk about it though, February 27th. Um, we got into that, gets a little emotional. We, we get in there and Jason was kind enough um, to be candid enough to, to talk about it uh, openly. Obviously, um, very painful for him, of course. And um, it was quite an experience. So I was happy that uh, he was willing to come on and talk about it. Um, I have to warn you, uh, the Wi-Fi is not the best here. I have not listen to it because I'm afraid to, but there was times where each of our um, computer was, or my computer, I guess my Wi-Fi connection was freezing up a little bit. So if you're watching or listening on YouTube, our sound might get a little screwed up. And uh, if you're just listening podcast version, some of it might get a little scratchy, a little weird, but I urge you and encourage you to um, stick with it and get through it. Uh, those those moments because it was really a great conversation and I think that it'll be um, I think you'll get a lot out of it uh, particularly if you've dealt with 
um, somebody passing, uh, which most of us have in our lives, but particularly, I guess, losing a sibling or somebody um, before that their time, as they say. And um, we also talk about the opiate crisis as uh, she was a victim of that crisis, Jason's sister. Um, so we discuss that a little bit. And um, yeah, we get into regrets and getting that news. And uh, it's just a, it's a pretty, uh, really great conversation that I enjoyed. And again, I'm grateful to uh, Jason. And um, yeah, I love him and uh, his parents. And um, I'm sort of a member of that family as he is a member of mine. So um, it was a difficult time. And um, he mentioned afterwards that uh, he felt a little little bad that he didn't talk enough about um, how much his sister meant to him and, and how kind and sweet she was and how much she enjoyed uh, being in the audience. She was a great audience member. I got to perform with her in the crowd a couple of times and um, she enjoyed very much laughing at comedians and enjoyed being irreverent, uh, as does Jason, very much so. So um, he regretted not talking about that more, but we, we basically were talking about her death and leading up to her death and, and uh, his reaction, his parents' reaction. And um, so I wanted to put that out there. Um, but I think it comes across, that's what I said to him, is that she was loved, obviously. And um, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll hear all of it, but... Um, I got stuck in this moment here, but that's okay. And um, a little silence is good, I think, right? Anyways, so wanted to warn you about the sound and technical difficulties. I'm going to have my producer try to work on it. And again, I haven't re-listened to it yet because I just had the conversation. So hopefully it's not too distracting. And uh, at this point, our, our audience seems to be um, really forgiving and, and thoughtful and kind. And I appreciate you for being that way. And I really appreciate you listening. I say it every week, but these reviews and the emails I've got have been so touching and so kind. And uh, if you want, after, reach out to Jason. He he says his um, Instagram, I think, is Jason Cantor. What is it? Let me just look it up here. He says it at the end, but yeah, it's just at Jason Cantor. I don't know how he got that. Cantor with a K and uh, E-R-K-A-N-T-E-R. You can reach him on uh, Instagram. Or you can email the guy, which is canterjason at email, at gmail, I believe. Hope he doesn't mind me giving out his email. Write something nice, all right? Yeah, canterjason at gmail. So uh, reach out to him, and uh, maybe you guys can talk about dealing with loss or um, or whatever. Um, also, Jason's a great comedian. I don't know if I mentioned that. I just talked about how much I like him, but fantastic comedian. We've spent a lot of time on the road together, working together, and he's hilarious and uh I think we talk about this at the end as albums not available for streaming, but if you see them live, pick it up. Maybe you already have. I know a lot of you have. And uh, I told them to put it on YouTube, so maybe it'll be up there soon. Anyways, I'm rambling. It's already a really long episode, um, but I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're doing well, and uh, I appreciate you reaching out. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast, give it a nice review, and uh, tell some friends. And thank you for being so kind to me. I appreciate it. If you haven't already, watch the special I Hate Myself on YouTube. I assume most of you have. And uh, reach out to Jason. Check out Jason. He's one of my favorite comics and obviously one of my favorite people. And um, that's about it. Let's get into 
the quote section, get that music going. I know you guys love this music that's playing over my voice right now, under my voice, excuse me. Anyways, I thought we'd talk about a nice quote about death. First, I thought of Mr. Rooney from Ferris Bueller saying, between grief and nothing, I'll take grief. And also this quote from Rumi. Is that how you say his name? Rumi? Goodbyes are only for those who love with their eyes, because for those who love with heart and soul, there is no such thing as separation. Now enjoy. Oh, I forgot to give you the politics warning. We do talk a little bit about politics, but you're going to have to get over it if you don't like it. Here is my dear friend, Jason Cantor. All right, I'm recording. This is it. This is a well. This is a running theme in the show, by the way. That I'm paranoid that we're not going to get the recording. Yeah. So this seems seems to be the worst one. (laughs) Like this is the closest we've been, I think, to it not working. Yeah. Maybe if I open the door, Sarah said, if I open the door, but that doesn't seem like it makes sense. Is it a thick ass door? I think it's a regular door. I don't know. Lead, lead door. I think it's just a regular door, but um, I don't know. It feels weird. I'm in Sarah's dad's office, or was his office. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Can you hear me? It's so hard to tell because the audience, to us, we're just talking, and I'm just afraid. Like, I think every week I do this, and the audience is just like, what are you talking about? Just keep going, you idiot. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> do you do you get emails like that? No one's ever complained once about the sound ever. Literally, no times, and no one's like right now. I'm at a point with the show where it's like a small audience that's like, "Thank you for your service. This is really helping me." So I haven't reached a level where people are like, "I listen to this and it's horseshit, and you're a piece of shit." Yeah, your your paranoia is probably helping people's <laughs> anxiety. Like, oh, I'm not that bad. Yeah, they're like, he's retarded, so I'm fine. I don't know. It just made it, when you talked for a second, it made a weird noise. It did like that, like... Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten one of those too from you. Oh, shit. So it's got to be the Wi-Fi here. It's definitely not your Wi-Fi. Well, I mean, do you want to stop it at this point and just listen to what we've just done to see if it makes sense? Nah, that's a whole thing. Okay. Maybe if I... Should I open the door? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, then you get people listening in. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about, which isn't as bad with this podcast, but like Tuesdays with stories, I'm like, I can't record (laughs) here in laws. I don't know. I think it seems to be working. You're hearing me. I'm hearing you. Okay. Well, speaking of being paranoid, I was like, I didn't, I slept like shit last night. Like, I've got like a little bit of a sore throat, and I don't know like what could have caused that. But then I was looking back, you know, like we were at the park on Sunday. And like, I was, you know, we're yelling, you know, throwing the football and the baseball. So that's another thing, throwing the football and the baseball, like I'm sore, like my whole body's sore right now. So I got the combination of being sore and then my throat hurts, but then I was yelling, which I don't like, I think the last time I yelled was like fucking happy new year or something like, so that could be a result of that. And then I've got, I've got like a little bit of diarrhea or a lot of bit of diarrhea and 
But then, you know, like there's always like a rational explanation too, where like I went to a cookout in the backyard of my apartment on Sunday and, you know, like a backyard cookout, no one's good about the utensils, like the, the same tongs that pick up like the raw chicken and the raw pork and the raw hamburger, like are the same ones that pull them off the grill and put them on your bun. So, right. But now I'm like, I, I didn't sleep. Like I would, I would start falling asleep and then I was like, coronavirus, I'm like checking my throat. <laughs> <clears throat> well, the throat, I mean, from the side, it could be reflux. I mean, you have reflux. I got reflux. Uh, everybody's got reflux. I mean, you're eating burgers um, and shit. I mean, that could, it sounds like you got, you might have a flux issue, which is very similar to a cold. Maybe. Um, in um, diarrhea, I feel like you have the most shit problems of anyone I know. Uh, yeah, me and my dad. Yeah, so could be those things. And then if you got sick uh, Sunday in the park, we're recording on Tuesday. I mean, that you wouldn't already be showing signs, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, I just, I think the soreness and, uh, you know, that, that could be just from, you know, park stuff. But yeah, we, we, were, we were pretty distanced and stuff. And I think I'm more worried about, like, using the bathrooms. Have you read about, like, these, uh, like, the clouds? Like, like, if someone has coronavirus and they take a shit and flush it, like, aerosol, aerosolates <laughs> it and, like, sends up this cloud. So they were talking about, like, poop clouds. So, like, I'm holding my breath as much as I can in indoor bathrooms. Like, I'm more worried about those than I am just, like, any kind of outdoor hang. Yeah, well, on the way to the park hang, we had a big park hang Sunday, which was great. Um, which was weird because there was some people there that were like, we got to do this more often. And I had a weird moment where I'm like, I do these all the time, but I had never invited that person before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're like, I mean, well, I mean, I, I've done it before. I don't know. But anyways, on the way there, I stopped and used a Central Park bathroom and I went in the stall and there was like a full, like a pair of underwear, which every square inch of the underwear was covered in shit. And it was just in the corner. <laughs> so I was in a stall with like, I assume some hobos, dirty underwear. <laughs> and I thought the same thing, like I'm breathing in hobo shit, which is, you know, the best or worst kind of shit, depending on how you're judging your shits. <laughs> but I don't know. I think we're clear. And then also it's probably in your head that you just got your results back from Corona and you have no antibodies. So you're weak. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more worried about that. But also when did you test? So you didn't have it when you tested. I tested on Thursday, but then, you know, I've been to, you know, I've eaten out at a restaurant. I've, you know, I drove upstate, but that was all outdoors, you know, so. Um, now I'm really worried about the delay because it took you nine seconds to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, then, it, it came through a little slow too. I was like waiting for, you know, to, for it to pick up, but. Ah, oh shit. I'm going to open this door and see if that does anything. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know how or why it would. It's a light wooden door i mean this is an office so people i assume did office things in here yeah probably not zoom calls though i can't imagine sarah's dad in a zoom call no well that was pre-covid i mean it's so crazy to me i had never heard zoom heard of zoom ever in my life and now i use it seven times a week it's the biggest part of my life and isn't it like it was like 15 bucks for the year or something like yeah, something like that. Yeah, because oh, you can get it for free, but you can only use it for like twenty minutes at a time or something. Yeah, but that's like they could charge so much more than fifteen bucks if that's if everybody's using it. Wait, I think it might be fifteen bucks a month. I think mine's fifteen bucks a month. Okay, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. There's just let's talk about like anxiety and mental things that are weird. Do you get weirded out by the idea that we just have a ton of monthly automatic payments for like life? 
like HBO, Apple, Netflix, Zoom, whatever else. There's just an endless, not an endless amount, but several, many monthly fees automatic coming out of your card for eternity. HBO is another one. Yeah, and that's and that's what uh, I watched a video about OnlyFans and how like how they've changed the porn business again. Like you, you porn changed or you two uh, Pornhub changed it like ten years ago. Now they're changing it again with just this monthly payment thing, where you know you pay someone four or five bucks a month, and these porn stars went from making like twelve thousand dollars a year to being to like fucking millionaires. <laughs> I'm on OnlyFans. Mark and I are on OnlyFans, but we're not making millions. I can tell you that. Yeah, you got to show some tit. Um, yeah, is there a truck backing up in your apartment? Is there a truck backing up outside? Oh, people are what? gonna, going to hate this. <laughs> well, that's another thing with today. Like, I can't have my. They're doing some sort of work outside of my uh, apartment, so they had. To, they told me to turn off the air conditioner at eight in the morning. I was like, it's going to be ninety degrees. This is yesterday. I was like, it's going to be ninety degrees tomorrow. I was like, can't you do the work on Wednesday when it's eighty? Like, this is. Like I might be topless by the end of this, by the end of this podcast. Maybe <laughs> we'll get an OnlyFans account. <laughs> It'll get us some hits. Um, all right. Well, let's let's get into some mental health stuff because you're a guy that I feel like is quietly nuts. You don't seem neurotic <laughs> upon meeting, but you're an anxiety guy. I think to some degree about some things. Or you, it seems like depression is more an issue for you. But depression from worrying about things. Yeah. And I, like, I used to go to therapy, like in 20, I guess it was like t- maybe 2013 or 2014, I was in therapy and I went for like six months, but it, my, the therapist wasn't, she wasn't giving me any insight. There was, I was learning nothing from her. I was just like talking and talking and talking and she was just nod her head. And I was like, like, I didn't, I feel like I didn't need that because I'm a person like I, I think my life's pretty much an open book anyway. I've got friends that I can talk to. I can bounce things off of. I don't need to pay someone to do that, especially if they're not giving me good, you know, feedback based on that stuff. So I don't know. And I, I guess I learned a couple things, you know, there were, uh, uh, well, the, the reason I stopped going was that became the most anxiety filled day of my week. Like getting, getting down to, it was in Bellevue hospital. I had to get to Bellevue hospital during rush hour on the six train. I was like, this is, I hate this. I hate every single thing about this. But um, yeah, I mean, there were, it was, I, I figured some things out just talking, you know, like complaining about comedy and stuff. And, you know, and then I, that the analogy I came up with is, um, you know, it's just, it's a phony business. It's not real. It's like I said, I'm the, I'm the, like the chunky girl at the, uh, at Barnes and Noble looking at the cover of Cosmo feeling bad about myself. I was like, it's not real. It's all airbrushed and it's horseshit. And I was like, that was like my, all right, I think I'm done coming here. Right, right. Yeah, you kind of you, you get there. You just need a launching pad to figure it out. Yeah. Um, sorry, there was weird delays in the middle of that. See, this is what happens. Right when we get into the good stuff, I'm like, this is good. We get just enough that I'm like, I'll be devastated if we don't get this. It starts freezing <laughs> and going weird. Um, but yeah, it sounds like, but it's. I feel so grateful that I've seen two, well, three technically, but one when I was a kid two therapists in my life. And I thought they were both amazing. Like Alan, who I talk about every week, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like in love with the guy. I want to make love to him. He's like the best. He's like the smartest guy. And everything he says, I'm like, dude, <laughs> you got it, man. I'm on it. And he's amazing. But like, he talks a lot. Like 
I mean, he'll listen a lot if I'm going off, but he'll like interrupt me like, oh, all right, all right, come on, stop it. And then he'll take over, which yeah. I think is needed. But there's always those like images, like Woody Allen always has movies where like the therapist never says anything or the psychologist, whatever, they're just sitting there drifting or writing things down. I think you need a therapist that's talking a lot. Yeah, well, another thing that I that I went through was like, I, don't, I, I didn't I went because I didn't know if I was depressed, and I, and then that was my question. And through talking that out, I guess, or I guess I knew it even going into it, but it, it cemented it that um, when things are going well, I feel great. When things are not going well, I feel bad. So it's you know I, I basically hit a rough patch, and things were not going well. So that's what the you know depression was coming from. So I don't think you know I'm not a person that can't enjoy good things, and I've never been that way. So. Um, yeah maybe is that a de definition of depression can't enjoy yes. yeah 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 inability to enjoy things that previously made you happier is one of them oh all right maybe you're not depressed then maybe you're just a realist because i feel like we go to games we're having a hell of a time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you get you know <laughs> you pull your tits out you know i'm having a not you but uh I pair of tits get pulled out. I'm happy. I can, I can snap out of whatever's happening. That's like a perfect, perfect description of depression. <laughs> oh, should I rip my headphones out? Um, that could be a bit, maybe. I mean, that's really funny. I thought I was depressed, and then I was at a party where a woman pulled her tits out. And I got really happy. Yeah, I snapped right out of it. So um, that's I mean, hilarious. I, I certainly drink too much, as you know. You know. Uh, my doctor would agree, but I don't know. I, I do. I drink too much, but it's on paper. I know it's not a great amount. Like, you know, if you, if you, if you had a check sheet, you know, people would be like, holy shit. But yeah, uh, I don't know this. I've actually lost weight during this uh, Corona break here too. Like I, I was joking around with my mom. I was, I was at home in Ohio for 16 weeks. I left for, I figured it was going to be like a month and then it ended up being 16 weeks. So just, there was never a reason to come back and I was having fun, you know, grilling out and hanging out in the backyard. And I was riding this bike every day in like a 12 mile loop. And you know, that, I think that was key to keeping my mental health going too, without doing shows, without having, you know, uh, any kind of, you know, I, we, we had the, you know, the supplemental income and unemployment and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, just like, getting out and, uh, and being on the bike. Like I feel, I was joking with my mom that I was like, I'm living the simultaneously most healthy lifestyle I've ever lived and the most detrimental. Like I would go on this 12 mile bike ride. I'd be all sweaty. I'd come home and feel great, throw a steak on the grill and crack a beer. And then I would just drink for the next six or seven hours. Yeah. I mean, that's what's hard. I mean, I, I feel similarly with comedy and the ability to get out and exercise and all that stuff. But to me, with no comedy, even now, like Sarah is is thriving. She's doing spots every night, two spots here, two spots there, and like and did some headlining work. And um, I know Norman has been on the road. People are back on the road, so I'm starting to have that thing of like, "Gee, should I be working or whatever?" And I have this moment. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'm like, the hockey playoffs are on. I'm watching every minute of every hockey game and it is bringing me a tremendous amount of joy and I'm doing these podcasts and doing all this daytime work and then it ends, yeah. Sarah leaves and I'm like, great. And I park myself on the couch and watch six hours of hockey and I'm getting like a chance to live this, to me, an alternative lifestyle where I'm like, this is great. I, I get home, I have delivery, I have food delivered. I watch hockey and Veter's yeah. come over a couple of times. You came over one day and I'm like, this is like, this is good living. 
it's kind of like the, it's like a throwback to just having like a corporate job. Like that's how all of our other friends outside of comedy have lived for their last 20 years of their lives. Yeah, exactly. And, um, they all seem happy. Um, yeah. that's, yeah. uh, I mean, it, it, it is weird. Like it takes away the, the judgment of strangers aspect and the comparison thing. But now we're back into the comparison because people are, enough people are working where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, geez, everyone's doing... Because at the beginning, everyone shut down at the same time. And it was like, okay, nobody's working. Nobody's passing me, quote unquote. Nobody's growing faster or whatever. Um, and now that's slowly starting to come back. But you realize through mental health exercise and reading is that that's where all suffering comes from anyways, is comparison and comparing and then identifying with thoughts and all that stuff. So if you can manage to just not uh, compare yourself, that's a huge um, chunk of stress out of your life. That's easier said than done, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things the therapist said too, which she had the realization, like, I don't think she had many comedians before at Bellevue hospital, (laughs) but uh, maybe she did, but uh, playing to her, you know, like writing jokes and, you know, in like that, the thought process of, is this funny? Uh, she was like, oh, wait, so every single thought you ever feel has to go through this, fil- this filter of outside society? I was like, yeah, I guess so. She's like, oof. Yeah, I mean, that's an unhealthy lifestyle. You're, you're freezing up again. I don't know if we're all messed up here. Are you hearing me? Give me a thumbs up if you hear me talking right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you, you were frozen when I was speaking, then, so I don't know if that would. I probably should have recorded my screen too. cut this shit together. Oh, yeah. Good point. Well, hit record on your thing right now. Yeah, but then with Shelby, you have to cut this shit up later? Um, Shelby doesn't do this one. My I think friend. you have to give me permission. Oh. Um, that says, please request. Is it, is it? I don't know. Is that thing that says request? It says, please request recording permission from the host. So how do I do that in the chat? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. His hand uh, more now. God damn it. I do not know. All right. Well, I hear you again. Am I frozen now? <laughs> no, you're, 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 you're still around. Um, oh, well. no, one may, this, no one may see this. This may not see the light of day. So we might be uh, doing this again. I'll take some notes. I think people can. I think... Uh, Matt, my producer, or the people that work for him, they can work miracles, these people. Okay. I, I don't understand any of the internet stuff. You just, I just send people files and it just, they just put it together. And they yeah. so comfortably. They're like, we'll fix that. And I'm like, okay, great. So they might be able to take out things or whatever. Okay. I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fine. Or everyone maybe, will hate us. Maybe take out this American flag, this thing. So... Like pre-pandemic, whenever I would have like, I would have a woman come over to my place, they'd walk in and see that giant American flag. It's like, it's like seeing a fucking Nazi flag these days. People see it and they're like, uh, like they're like, I'm almost immediately made fun of. And like, what do you, and I'm like, it went up during the Obama years. It's from my dead grandfather's casket. Take it easy. Well, that's, I mean, we've talked about this before and I don't want to get too political, which I say every week on this podcast, but yeah, it's the amazing thing. And you and I talk a lot of politics, obviously. But the, the most incredible thing that the right or Republicans or whatever you want to say um, has done is laid claim to patriotism. That's theirs. They own that. 
they own the American flag and the military and, and America, that's their thing. They created it. So that now represents Republican. If you have a flag, you're a Republican. I mean, that, that, that is like one of the ultimate political moves in history yeah. of like the American flag is ours. That's us. Yeah. It's strange. So if I, if I wore a, a, a hat with American flag, people are like, Oh geez, list. <laughs> He's a Trump yeah. voter. And I'm like, no, I like America. Yeah. But anyways, nope. All right. Back to you. I, I couldn't so. tell if that was frozen or if that was just an awkward silence. <laughs> trying to figure uh, out how to transition back into mental health. But, um, uh, uh, yeah, like I didn't drink yesterday because of the throat thing. And, and I, I did feel, I, I felt anxiety from that. Like I was sitting on the couch, just like, all right, what do I do with my hand? Just like, like boredom and you know, it's like be a cocktail here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that sounds like alcoholism to me. Um, if I don't drink, yeah. I don't know what to do with my hands. I mean, that sounds like something you'd hear in an AA meeting. Uh, well, I'm not drinking right now. I got my water, but uh, yeah, I'm still kind of playing with my hands. Um, yeah, but there are, you know, I'll take days off just to prove that I can do it. But, I, but also the, yeah, the, the, I was watching the, uh, what's her face, uh, Donald Trump's junior, junior's girlfriend scream at the TV. So that was causing anxiety too. Um, Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend? Yeah, that Fox News woman uh, at the RNC last night. She was just, she's yelling. You gotta, you gotta look up the thing. It's, it's so... I know you don't want this to be political, but they said it's going to be like a calming, hopeful convention. Trump Jr. looked like he was coked up. His eyes were like all glassy. He was he was yelling. His girlfriend was, was, was they've got like stills of her yelling. And, and it's like it's like this is the absolute opposite of, uh, of a calming uh, type of uh, convention. Well, I mean, that certainly is a source of anxiety, even if um, I mean, I don't know how many. Trump supporters I have listening to the show, I can't imagine too many just because um, I'm a cuck liberal, whatever, whatever I am. But yeah. um, that certainly is a source of uh, anxiety and stress, even if you are a Trump person. If uh, seeing it from a Trump right wing standpoint, they look at they're looking at the left in Biden the way we're looking at the right in Trump. So. The, the idea of everybody being so far from connected to each other is certainly a source of anxiety. Yeah, they're, they're both doing a little bit of fear mongering. It's all, you know, trying to get their people out because of what, how negative the future is going to be. Yes. Both, both sides are like, if you don't vote for us, it's going to be a nightmare. My favorite thing that Trump does though, is points to things that are happening now and right going, now. if Biden wins, this will happen under his thing. And you're like, it's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's an amazing Jedi McMind trick, <laughs> McMind, which is my own joke, but a Jedi mind trick of like, if you vote for this guy, it's going to be just like this, the way it is now when yeah, I'm president. Literally showing the video going, this is how the future will be, even though that was today. <laughs> how the future will look. Amazing. But... Um, Anyway, so back to the um, don't know what to do with your hands. Have you, do you ever think about quitting drinking or is it not even, because we've talked about it before and you're like, I'd just rather be dead. <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't think about it. I, don't, I, I mean, I always thought that one day, like when I was in my 20s, I'm like, well, one day I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And then now that I'm in my 40s, I'm like, that's the thing I do. 
uh, I do enjoy it. It is one of the things like, you know, up there with like biking, eating good food and, uh, you know, like hiking and being out the door in the outdoors. It's something that I really do enjoy. You know, what, making a nice cocktail or what's your hangover situation though? Like I hit 30 and a hangover would ruin my life for like 40 hours. Uh, I don't get hungover too often. Like it's pretty rare. But my tolerance is so high that, you know, if I have five or six drinks, like I feel fine the next day. You know, if I had 15, it might be different. Right. Um, But then, but then also like with nothing going on now, if I'm just like, you know, this, this whole time doesn't matter thing. Like if I'm just going to sleep till 4 PM, it doesn't matter. And then, you know, by the time you wake up, the hangover is already, you know, the hangover (laughs) lasted from 10 AM to, you know, 3 PM. That's a good point. Um, the logic is all there. I mean, like, yeah. maybe it's because I'm an alcoholic, but everything you're saying, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. I get it. <laughs> yeah, if I had, if I had like a 7 a.m. corporate job, I had to wake up for it. You know, that hangover. You know, I, I've, I've woken up for stuff. Uh, I got for something recently, but I was like, I'm still, I'm still drunk from the night before. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna hang out for a little while. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Well, I had a weird thing yesterday where I flew for the first time. I flew to Houston. I'm in Houston now as there's a hurricane barreling down on us, um, mm-hmm. which is fun. But I flew for the first time and it was the first time I had to wake up from an alarm in since March. And I didn't sleep. Like I kept having that old feeling and it reminded me of like, maybe I need to change my normal lifestyle because... I woke up at four o'clock, five o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock, six. That kept being like, "Oh my god, did I miss my flight?" And then finally, at six thirty, that alarm went off, and it was just anxiety. I woke up with a headache, had like a migraine all day, couldn't go back to sleep on the plane, and yeah. it was just miserable. And I was like, "Oh, I used to do this every Thursday and every Sunday." Yeah, yeah. Did you did you ever think about taking like a, a met? You know, like you know, like a temporary anti-anxiety, like small dose or something for that kind of thing? Or are you just trying to stay away from all kinds of drugs and booze just for fear of relapse or? Well, I have, I don't because I used to, I mean, for years, I mean, we were hanging out together. I was on Paxil. Paxil. Yeah. And I used to take it with a shot. (laughs) That's that a daily or is that, uh, what is, is that daily or is that like a spot relief? That's a day. So Paxil was a daily and then I had Xanax prescription as well if i had a panic attack yeah <clears throat> but usually i ended up taking it for fun yeah yeah uh, we did that yeah i think we we lost a couple of pearl jam concerts on that <laughs> <laughs> well there was the eddie vetter solo at the beacon where we had like sixth row and that one's a little hazy because i think we had um that was philly wasn't it where we had the great seats tower Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was Philly. But that was that that was that was that was pills and booze in the uh, in the garage before the show. Yes, I think <laughs> one of them we had. Um, what was the thing that your girlfriend at the time always had? Klonopin, I think. Yes, that was Klonopin was heavier than Xanax because Klonopin would just I would be in a daze. Yeah, yeah. We had one of those days where we went downtown to that bar we liked, way downtown, the World Trade Center with the wings. Yeah. And we took Klonopin and it was just like, it was hazy. It was rough. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know what yeah. the hell was going on. Yeah. I remember um, staring off into it in the distance. You were like talking to me the next day. I'm like, yeah, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I think that might've been like the last time I was taking that. I was like, this sucks. Like, you know, it's like the, uh, the Bradley, is it? No, uh, Leo, Leo DiCaprio line in, uh, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. He's like, my booze ain't need nobody. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a great line. No, we were, so yeah, so I used to take Paxil and then Xanax and then the Paxil, we used to laugh because I remember being in Ohio because we'd always go to Ohio and the Paxil said, do not take with alcohol. And then I would take it with a shot to wash it, <laughs> like a shot of Jaeger to wash it down. But so I stopped taking those just because I didn't want to be on them anymore. I didn't like being a, a statistic and being, a, you know, having this weird physical uh, addiction or adaptation, whatever, whatever the word is, dependency or on mental health. And I thought I could slowly wean myself off. And I actually weaned myself off it for the final time in Appleton, that trip. Yeah. We went to Appleton with uh, Colleen and Bart. I started going to every other day and all this stuff because my hands would get tingly if I didn't take it. And it was just, it just felt too, too weird. And I wanted to get out of that um, situation. Yeah. Off. But I, some people need it and it, it's important and it saves some people's lives and stuff. I just didn't feel like I did. And I've tried to seek that through meditation and sobriety and exercise and all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of your sobriety, I was thinking about you the other day. Like one of the things that's maybe good or maybe terrible for me, like I would, I'm usually like a sundown type drinker. Like when I was at home, I'd, you know, like the sun would be setting and, you know, be a good excuse to grab a beer and go sit on the porch. Um, but like when we were drinking together, you were always like, uh, you know, it's, it's noon, let's get some rum and Cokes. And, and then it's not like we just drank for the six hours and then we were done at 7 PM. Like we'd still drink till two or three or four in the morning or, or six or whatever it was. So like that was, that was more, uh, to me, that was like, you, you had more of a problem than I did where you're like, let's right. fucking, you know, and like, if there were, if there was like a day ball game or whatever, yeah, I'm definitely into, you know, starting a little earlier, but I mean, yeah, we would just have nothing to do and, you know, it'd be noon on a Sunday, like, all right. Yeah. And then, then I would start canceling stuff. Like as soon as you have one beer, that's when I start being like, let me rearrange this schedule a little bit so we can, I mean, I always joke that it's like all the shows are in the way of the drinking and you're like, let's start canceling shows, move things and get yeah. it going. But that's the only time I really miss drinking now is day drinking. To me, that was always yeah. the best 11 AM, especially like Patriot's day. And when you can start drinking like eight in the morning, you have like a good reason to get after it. Yeah. Those are always. Oh yeah. Um, well, then, but a lot of those, like a lot of the shows that you were canceling back in those days was like the world with Aaron Haber. So it was like, uh, you know, it was like you wanted to cancel that show if you were stone sober anyway. So it's, you know, it's not like you were heading down to this, you know, a packed cellar. At that right. Point. Right. But yeah, the general principle of like, forget everything. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. And then the next day, then you have like that extra shame for canceling stuff and everything. But yeah. that's, that was like the fun thing. And it, it's not just the drinking, but the idea of everybody on the same page, those nights where we were like, we're all getting as messed up as possible. Let's get after it. And to me, that feeling is even greater than the drinking, the feeling of like, we're all in this together. We've all decided to do the same thing. And yeah. you could almost get that high from let's all bike 20 miles and eat sandwiches or whatever it is, you yeah, know, camaraderie. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've, this is what, this is what we're doing. There's something fun about that or like a road trip, like being like, all right, we're driving to LA in one shot and it's going to be great. Whatever, whatever thing it is. Um, yeah. But booze really like, felt good. It seems like uh, you know, with the comedians too, you like a lot of comedians like team sports. And I feel like that's the reason, like, you know, could you do that one thing solo and then it's nice to be like, Oh, here's a, here's a thing where it's not just me. I'm in a band. I'm in a, whatever I'm, uh, you know, there's a relay man. 
Right, right. Yeah. To get everyone on board. Um, but yeah, so sometimes it's fun. But for me, I mean, this is working out a lot better. And um, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, to eat to each his own, hmm? <laughs> as they say. But okay, so I wanted to get into this too. We've had, a, I've had many requests to talk about grief and grieving and loss. And I thought you'd be a good guy to talk about this because your sister passed away. What is it now? Three years ago? Oh, this is a bad time to freeze. Yeah, three two thousand seventeen uh, in February, which I was actually sitting. <laughs> uh, I was sitting. Uh, I was sitting in this chair when I when I uh, t- I talked to you, I texted you, and then you called me back. Um, yeah, uh, which just to t- for one thing, I'll touch on with therapy, uh, and then we'll move into that story. Um, so one of the main things that I did in therapy in you know se- six years ago was complain about my sister because my sister uh my sister and i didn't always have the closest relationship uh in 2000 i lived with her in 2004 through two, uh, through 2006 um and we were pretty close then but there was still you know she uh she had some she had some issues <laughs> she she had probably you know undiagnosed bipolar disorder or maybe it was diagnosed at some point uh but you know i, I had a couple she has she has two sons uh now uh, or she, she, she has two kids that came out of her vagina are still alive. I don't know how to phrase that. Yes. But. One of them bit me. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's 13 now. So the, the chompers have really come in. So don't let them bite you again. <laughs> um, but when it, so, but I had these like crazy voicemails from her, like most of the time we'd get along, but then she would have these like explosions where, you know, I'd be out and she'd be like, you motherfucker, I'm throwing your shit in the front yard. You fucking, and just like going out. And I was like, I, you eventually you're going to have kids and I'm going to save that for them. And, uh, when I lost my, my change from Verizon to AT&T, I lost all those voicemails. But, um, yeah. So like when I was in therapy, one of the things that, uh, my general complaints was about my sister and, you know, like how she treated, uh, our, our mother, how she treated our father, how she treated me. And it was a lot of that stuff. Um, so I guess that's another reason I don't have to go back to therapy now because <laughs> it was, it was suggested after she passed that I go back to therapy. I was like, uh, I was mostly complaining about her at therapy anyway. So problem solved. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I, I guess I've got extra paranoia about this, you know, this current, uh, uh, COVID crisis, uh, because my sister died as a result of the last crisis that's still ongoing, the opioid crisis. Um, she had, uh, she had medical problems her whole life. She's had, she's had something going on, but, uh, in the, I guess probably around the time that that I lived with her, she had this problem with, it was called like dissecting carotid arteries. So your, your artery here, um, basically you think of it as like a garden hose where you got like the black rubber on the inside and the, uh, the, the, uh, green on the outside. Right. And th- those two were splitting apart from each other. So oh, it's, extreme, it's extremely painful and it can blow and cause a stroke. It can kill you. Um, and she, so she was prescribed opioids and she was on them for, you know, uh, over a decade. Like, and I, I remember like not knowing how much about opioids. I don't even know how to say the word opioid opioids. Uh, that, Opioid that, Anthony. <laughs> uh, but I remember five years into it being like, this doctor should go to jail. Like this is crazy that you like, we, we 
know this is a short-term drug. That was the one that, you know, Brett Favre was on him for a month and he was hooked. It was like, she was on him for, you know, half a decade at that point. So, um, yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was crazy. Uh, and, uh, she was off him for a while, but I think, I think that's what, you know, people kick him. And then it's like, uh, with, uh, any of these other, like, I guess these strong, you know, heroin addictions and things like that, that, um, you know, you're, you're off it. And then you, and then you, 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 you start to use the, the drugs again, and then you jump right back into the deep end where you were when you quit. And then, you know, your body shuts down. Yeah. I mean, that's something they say in, um, sobriety too. When you, when you relapse, like if you, if you recover from alcoholism or you're, you're sober, and then you don't drink for nine years and then you drink again, you don't pick up where you left off. You pick up where you would have been had you kept drinking through those nine years. Yeah. You just continue to progress. So that's why you have all these people that don't drink for 10 years and then they have a drink and then, you know, they're dead, whatever, two but, days later, 45 minutes later. But they, do they, I assume that first time back they, they go, they go light and have one or two, but then like you're talking about, they ramp up very quickly, like within, short period of time they're like back to 10 drinks or 12 drinks or 20 drinks or something like because i would i would imagine if you're getting unless you're getting back in it on a suicide mission i would think you'd dip your toes into it yeah i think so but then you just start to have this thing of like one isn't enough like I, i talk about this all the time like i never fantasize i don't really fantasize about having a beer I fantasize about having like 50 beers, <laughs> being like let's get out <laughs> you know um yeah. or a beer sounds nice but like you know, like I, I'm like, I never in my life drank a beer and then was like, that was fun. And then went off and did another thing. That seems insane yeah. to me. So I think, I mean, I, I've never been addicted to opiates or, or heroin, obviously, but I imagine it's very similar. I mean, I think anything, so many, any, anything addictive, like I haven't had a Coke in a year and a half. And I feel like if I had a Coke, I would just like in two weeks be drinking a Coke with every meal. It's just cause yeah, that's the kind of mindset. I mean, it's the same like with sex. If you didn't have sex for four months, and then someone was like, "Let's have sex," you wouldn't be like, "Okay, I'm good for another four months." Yeah, you'd be like, "Let me. Who else is around?" Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I don't. I. I mean, there's certainly days where like you know I'm getting fucking toasted tonight. Like that's you know like that's all. I'm, you know that's that's the the game plan. But I think most of it is like I got. I think I think when you get older and more sophisticated. Like I've got these uh, Sierra Nevada summer brews and they only make them for three months. And, and I've got, you know, like a 12 packs so where I'll like, I'll sip it and enjoy it. Whereas, you know, if I get a case of Miller lights, then that's more likely to just, you know, it's like, you want to suck them down. Right. So I think that is something maybe that, and, and even like, if, you know, I got some like nice whiskeys, you know, versus buying, you know, Evan Williams. So you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to waste it. You want to, you know, sip, sip on it slow. And I try to, I try to do that as a, you know, way to control, but then also I'll get a bottle of Jim Beam and, you know, I'll have two nice whiskeys and then I'll have the Jim Beams, you know, that I don't have to remember. Right. Well, I guess that's harder, obviously with like, to bring it back to opiates, that's like harder to do of like, let me just take this one. Oh yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, but well, so yeah. Yeah, to get back to Jamie though, but yeah, she she ended up getting um, she ended up getting a, a bootleg. You know, like one of the neighbors that was on opioids as well had got some bootleg shit. So she ended up having some stuff that was you know supposed to be you know safe over the counter from a prescription bottle, but it had you know fentanyl cut into it. 
And that was, was she taking that for a while or that was that first, the night that she died? Was that, that was the first time getting that? Um, it, well, no, she was in the hospital the day before with an opioid over, like an overdose. Like they, like, uh, the kids and her, and the, her, uh, uh, fiance, uh, Zach found her, like she was like blue on the ground, I guess. And that's when I was at your place, we were watching the Oscars and, you know, all of us kind of heard that sentence. We're like, Oh, you gotta be more careful. Like we didn't realize how we we didn't realize how close to death she was that time. Like, I guess we didn't know that much about opioids and like how, you know, how it affects you and stuff. So she was in the hospital the day before. Yeah. And I feel like fentanyl, we were just kind of hearing about that then that was early on. Right. With fentanyl. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, or you, or you didn't think it was, yeah, I guess it was like the early days of COVID where you like, you didn't think it was real. Like, oh, yeah, I read something about it, but you know, that happens somewhere else type thing. Yeah, I think that's naturally everything, whether it be a store. I mean, I think human beings have this weird natural inclination where you worry about stuff, but not really pragmatically. You're like, I'm worried about cancer or AIDS or whatever, but you're like, but that's obviously not going to happen. I think like everyone kind of has this underlying thing of like, but probably that's going to be fine. Like everyone's aware of car accidents, but for the most part, when you're driving, you're not like any second I could be hit with a car and destroyed. Yeah. Which is why people drive so recklessly too. Right. FDR, the West side highway here, these maniacs like, uh, it's a free-for-all out there. Yeah. Oh, New York has the worst driving, the Northeast particularly. Um, but your sister also, she was like a, still kind of partying too, right? Like booze and, and she was a, a drinker, wasn't she? She was a drinker, but towards like after she had kids uh, and the kids started getting older, she, uh, she couldn't deal with those hangovers either. So she didn't drink very much uh, after post-kids. And do you think a lot of her behavior, because I remember like there was time where she was just a complete nightmare i mean we would talk for hours about what a pain in the ass she was and and all the stuff with both your parents and do you think a lot of that was the addiction or was that just dealing with all the stuff that she was dealing with um i i mean she she had some you know she had her issues so uh she had a ton of anxiety which um, you know, first, like as a tribute to her, uh, at her, we, we had like, we had the wake and then we like went to a bar and, uh, but I, my, I asked my mom, I was like, do you want two Coronas? My sister used to get to a bar and order two Coronas. So she could just pound one, get that one working and then start sipping on the next one. So, uh, a lot of that was, you know, she had insecurities and she had anxiety issues. So right. that was, yeah, that was definitely a factor. Yeah. Cause it seems like that, that's the kind of stuff. I mean, I feel like so many issues in life or almost all of our issues now that i'm like really getting into buddhism and meditation and i highly recommend the sam, sam harris app which we can yeah. talk about i talk about every episode but um you start getting into like really so many of our problems come from the anxiety and really identifying with thoughts with every thought becomes reality in your mind and you sort of completely lose touch with reality because you're believing every thought which is certainly most of my issues came from and still are but it seems like people can totally lose their mind by just chasing thoughts and and you becoming paranoid and anxious and all that stuff and you need a break from that and that i assume with 
drinking and with painkillers. Obviously, she had actual pain problems, but yeah, that had to be a contributing factor that was like, let me get whatever that pill is. I don't have it when I have that. Yeah, yeah. She and she also had like anti-anxiety medicines. Like she was always good at doctors, you know, having doctors give her prescriptions for you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I guess that's another thing that doctors uh, that aren't watching you carefully can you know be just enablers. Where you know instead of trying to meditate or exercising or doing things that you know would be good for. Her, you know, she could pop a pill and, you know, go sit on the porch and smoke a cigarette. So, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the, the basis of the opiate crisis, right? I mean, uh, and the medical field, the pharmaceutical companies of everyone's just like, yeah, just quick fix, take a pill, get out of here. Good luck. Uh, particularly single mothers with two kids and working class in Ohio and all that shit. Yeah. And, you know, from what I understand, it does the exact same thing that heroin does. And everyone knows how good heroin is. That's why it's terrifying to even think about trying. So, yeah, if you can pop a pill that came from a, you know, a clean factory, it's not like you're, you know, shooting a bag of dirty heroin, you know, that you, know, that you have no idea where it came from. So. Right. Okay. So, oh, sorry. So take us through. So that night we're at the Oscars, you're at my house. And I remember your sister was call or called and we kind of, cause your mother was there Yeah. and um, she was going through crisis. And I remember, I mean, I imagine your mother feels some guilt or, or feels bad now because I remember at the time being like, ah, let's not deal with this. It's Oscar night. Let's have some drinks and have some laughs. Yeah. And she passed that night or was it early? Is it early the next morning? Sometime between that phone call and the woman, a uh, friend of hers finding her, at, you know, she was supposed to go to this friend's house. She never showed up. And the friend came over to her house and, you know, checked on her at, I don't know, eight or nine in the morning or something. And she was, you know, gone. And were the kid, the kids were not there. Kids are not there now. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as my folks go. Yeah. I mean, my mom, of course, would have liked to have taken that phone call, but you know, I, I was talking to her, trying to counsel her the best I could with my undergrad degree in psychology. Um, you know, that you, you have to, you know, you make, you make decisions based on the best information you have at the time. And what was happening there didn't seem, you know, she was up, she was ranting, she was, you know, manic. Um, and, you know, she, we, we'd, we'd had those phone calls, you know, thousands of times before. So it's like, she, my mom's in New York for a limited amount of time. We're visiting you. We're trying to enjoy our evening. So yeah, I'll call you back. Okay. You know, it's just, our Jane was supposed to call her actually did not, but my, and mom, I remember my mom saying that night, like, should I feel bad for not calling her back? It's like, ah, what's she going to yell at you about? You know, she's like, yeah, you're right. So, yeah. I remember participating in that and being like, get out of here. Come on. We're watching the Oscars. <laughs> And obviously like all those things, of course, like you don't, you don't know at the time. And it's, that's, I think the nature of, um, of death in general or life in general is if, if I had said this or if we had gone there, if we had whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever decision it is, if I hadn't gone on that trip and that's really no way to live either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then that was like, you know, that was leading up my 40th birthday was two weeks after that, you know, she had, you know, she had, Jamie was trying to make plans. She'd not been to New York city in years. So she wanted to come and, but like you were asking if she'd been, you know, using or, uh, and that was a thing that I didn't realize at the time, but then now that 
you know, in, in retrospect, you know, I saw like, I could see in February how she was kind of like circling the drain, like that, oh, she was using and she was back. She was like manic. She was depressive. You know, she was up and down and, you know, she, she wanted to borrow, you know, 50 bucks or something from me. And I was like, and she's like, well, there's a Western Union here and there's a Western Union. She's like telling me all the Western Union locations within two blocks of my house. And I was like, well, I'm not there. And I was like, well, what do you need? Like, you know, if she needed, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if she needed fucking tampons or food or whatever, like I could get on target and I could like send, I'd, I'd really send her something. Cause I was like, I didn't, I didn't think, but I, I, I was, I was like in the, in the back of my mind somewhere, I was like, is she doing, using drugs? Like why, why would she need cash like that? And then, uh, you know, obviously in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that's what it was. But, but she, at the time she had a good list, you know, she was like, oh, I need hemorrhoid cream. I need, you know, like, all right, these sounds, these all sound like legit, you know, uh, requests. Something really funny Which, about the idea of getting, like, she gets a bunch of diapers in the mail and toothpaste and she's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> then she got to go, yeah, go out and try to sell it. Um, right. but we had it we had a different, you know, our, our family is very, you know, you know, our family and uh, they're non-traditional, I'd say. Like one of the last text messages my sister ever sent to my dad was a picture of her asshole saying, do you think this is a hemorrhoid? <laughs> so, um, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of guy I am also. So I didn't yeah. know I could send your dad those photos. So <laughs> you got his number. Um, so yeah, so then the next morning, so you found out in the afternoon the next day. Yeah, uh, we were it was we were having a great day walking around the Upper East Side here. Um, there's a new, one of the new subway stops that just opened up, and uh, they have a mosaic that looks like my mom. Like, like I don't want to see what the real woman that this mosaic is based on because it looks so much like my mom as is. So we like we went over and took some pictures with it. Um, and uh, then we went to Shake Shack. We were sitting at Shake Shack on 86th Street with Kate and my mom. And uh, and my dad called. And I, I, I got the Apple Watch. You know, I got a fucking burger in my hand. And I'm like, you know, I hit it the back. You know, I say, hey, how's it going? He's like, I was like, we're at Shake Shack. And he goes, he goes, uh, hang up, hang up the phone and uh, call me back. And I kind of like, I was like, well, this isn't good. I was like, you know. Uh, shit, I wonder if Jamie's back in the hospital or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, put the <clears throat> put the burger down. I walked away from the table, just kind of like in the mingling in the middle of Shake Shack. And I called my dad, and he, uh, I go, I go, what's up? And he, you know, I, uh, he, you know, you get those death phone calls, and it's just your fucking soul falls to the floor. Right. And uh, yeah, he was just like, uh, he goes, he goes, Jamie's, he goes, Jamie's dead. And I go what? And he goes, I just got off the phone with the cops. The, the police are investigating. She's, uh, she, they found her, uh, on the, found her on her kitchen floor. Jesus. So now you had to go, you have to go walk over and tell your mother this now. Yeah. So, oof, I mean, that was the, that's, that's the worst, that's the worst moment of my life. Uh, <laughs> maybe, I will, maybe I will start drinking. Hold on one second. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I took a deep breath and, you know, and then I was like, I was like, can I, can I fake this? Can I fucking finish my burger? You know, right. say, Hey, let's head back to the place. And, you know, uh, 
I, I determined, you know, I wasn't a good enough actor to pull that off. You know, I was probably a little shaky already, but yeah, I just had, my mom says, you know, what's going on? And uh, I was quiet and, uh, and then, and then she starts, my mom's like, come on, like, you don't do this. You're scaring me. Like, what's, what's happening? And I said, you know, I, I don't remember what my exact words were. I'm sure she does. But, uh, just, yeah, I said, uh, yeah, they found, they found, oh yeah, they, they found Jamie dead and she, yeah. and, then she and then she started, you know, she's going, no, no, don't do this. Is, don't, this is not a thing you're going to joke about. You can't, you cannot joke about this thing. And yeah, yeah it's so hard to be like, wow, that wouldn't, I don't think that's funny. <laughs> like, it's how well, like, don't make that joke. And you're like, well, that's not even a funny joke. Yeah. And then, and like, and then Kate at the time is, you know, I'm sitting next to my mom in the booth and Kate's on the other side. Uh, yeah. Kate's already like bawling. She's like, she knew I wouldn't, you know, this is not something I, you know, so. Well, I guess, I guess your mother probably had that first like, um, oh, stage shock. of grief, the denial thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. It's just this, the shock and, you know, so then we got, you know, we just have three bucking adults just crying at a, at a shake shack and just, uh, and then, you know, I was, you know, got napkins from my mom and I was, you know, I was worried, you know, like what, you know, trying to get her to hold it together. And she's like, I don't care. You know, I don't, yeah, you know it's New York city. You're never going to see these people again. Anyway, who do you give a shit if they see you crying at a fast food restaurant? Right. Right. Um, we walked, yeah, we walked outside. So it's like 13 blocks to my house and we, we got a cab. I asked my mom, you know, do you want to walk? Do you want to, you know, she said, get a cab. And we, yeah, we cabbed back here and, uh, I hadn't really, maybe I didn't, I don't, maybe I didn't cry. I don't think I did cry in the booth. Yeah. I don't think I did. I was trying to, I was trying to hold it together for my mom. But then we got back to the uh, the apartment here, and I you know, opened the door, and that's why I, I was like, I just, I was just, I was so mad. It was just yelling, "Motherfucker!" I was yelling, "Fuck!" I was, you know, punching the fucking desk and the couch, and just, uh, just, yeah, I had to get that rage out. Yeah, of course, um, I get it. And then, yeah, and then Kate, Kate was a a, a lifesaver. She was. Uh, she was really locked, you know, because then it, it, things you don't plan, like my mom was here for a week and then, you know, we're like, well, what do we do? Do we go back? Do we stay here? What do we, what, you know, what do we, and she's like, I think, I guess we have to go back. Like, or she's like, I have to go back. You can stay. And, and then we look, you know, we looked at flights and they're, you know, 800 bucks to change whatever, you know, to change a flight from New York city. So, uh, this is before I had a car. So then we're on, you know, I rented a car. You know, we're picking it up at JFK at like midnight. Um, and Kate was like going around my apartment, like packing a bag, packing a suit, um, you know, doing all the things that, you know, they, they, you know, need to do. And yeah. And then me and my mom drove through, you know, drove across Pennsylvania, you know, it's like a nine hour drive back home. And it was, uh, it was just awful. Like, uh, it, it was just mostly in silence. Like, you know, we're just driving. <laughs> um, it's, uh, like we, we had, we try to put a song on and like the first song, it's just like every song is going to have something. It's right, right, it, right. It, it fucking tears your heart out. So I, I don't even, it was like, the first one was like a Motown song that was like, okay, okay. So it was radio off and then just silence and just like, we didn't, you know, we talked, but then there were, you know, stretches of time where we, we didn't talk. And, you know, my mom, my mom would just be like, 
weeping in the passenger seat. And, uh, which I think would be, I think it, I, I've thought about, you know, writing something, you know, I mean, there did, there, there ended up being, it, it's life. So there's going to be humorous things. There were, there were things at the funeral that were fucking, you know, we were crying, laughing, you know, the emotions of, of, you know, grief and like comedy were like coming together. Um, but I thought, I thought that'd be a good opening scene, just the dark in the car and in her weeping and me just fucking just trying to, you know, trying to keep my eyes on the road and, you know, through, through the night, you know, not having slept and, you know, coming up on 24 hours at that point. No, I didn't sleep for like 36 straight hours. Cause when I got home, I started making the phone calls to people and just, you know, letting people in. Um, but one of the, one of the things that, uh, uh, that what that got us through it was we listened to, uh, we listened to Obama on Mark Maron's podcast. So I think it was like a two hour thing, but like, that's, that's the only thing it was like, you know, it was very uh, calming and it was, yeah. If I, I, if I ever see Marin again, I will thank him for that. Um, I, w- I would have said something. I just did the show. Um, and Obama said the N word on that podcast. So that was, that was something um, unprecedented, I believe for a president to say the N words, at least since the eighties. Um, <laughs> did he say it? I believe so. I think that was a big controversy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't, I don't remember much of the podcast <laughs> other than we weren't crying. Um, well, well, that's the thing about tragedy and comedy are so close. Like someone said before, if you cry hard enough, you start to laugh. If you laugh hard enough, you start to cry. Like those emotions are so close to each other. So it's hard to not break out laughing. I mean, sometimes I've had that feeling with, with Sarah's dad passing and like where you're just crying so hard for so long, then you just start like laughing. You're like, this is like, and crying in itself becomes kind of hilarious because the idea of being like, woohoo. <laughs> it becomes like it's, it becomes like silly yeah, you know shaking and, and drooling and you're like what the fuck's happening here yeah it just feels ridiculous yeah. but no That's, i remember I, um oh, my, sorry, sister, my sister also had the same thing that my grandmother had which is when someone got hurt they would laugh like there was like you know their their wiring was off with the uh you know the line so you know, i remember we we're on a boat and someone got hurt my, my grandma was just dying laughing just out of, out of nervousness and my sister had the exact same thing so you know people would be misinterpreted people were like what the fuck's wrong with her and like just take it easy and worry about yourself she's like joaquin phoenix uh, the joker <laughs> he's like laughing on the bus um no it was crazy i remember i mean i was i've told the story before uh, i was on recording tuesdays with stories when you texted me and oh, you yeah. were like are you can you talk and we were recording and i was like ah don't you hate a can you talk text i'm like what is that and basically i was just shitting on you being like who texts can you talk um like what is what, what, what are we dating and then like it was i think it was like an hour or two hours later i was in union square i just got off the train and you texted me that said jamie's dead and it was like similarly like i can still feel like a tunnel vision feeling of like all the light truly like coming down to like a little pinpoint of like what it because it's the finality of death it's so shocking particularly when it's a young person that feeling of like okay that's it there's nothing there's not like a well let's go there and whatever yeah well and then another tough moment is uh we were uh we're I remember in my mom's room and you know you you have this window you know we we had her cremated cremated I think she, she died on the 27th and then uh we had her cremated and there was the service was I believe March 2nd but you you, you just have that which I guess the funny part was then like the cremation place was backed up 
So Jamie's ashes were not at her own funeral, which I made a joke about that Jamie was late to her own funeral. She was classically late to everything. Um, so she was, yeah, she was late for that. But we had this window where they were like, do you want to see, do you want to see her? Do you want to, you know, do you want to say goodbye or whatever? And I mean, I don't, I don't believe in an afterlife or anything like that. Uh, you know, and you know, once you're, I think once that, you know, once that light goes out, you're, you're, you're gone. So like, I wasn't worried that she would feel, you know, offended that I didn't come say goodbye or anything like that. And, and I, and I, and I just said, I don't want to see it. I don't want, I don't want that to be my, uh, I don't want that to be my lasting image of her. I don't want to, you know, see her blue or with makeup or whatever the fuck, you know, right. Man, I guess it'd be one thing if we had an open casket, you know, where they do kind of clean you up and shit. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I've seen enough TV shows where I don't want to see someone get pulled out of the fucking morgue, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Someone that's my, someone that's in my family. Uh, I could do it for friends, but, uh, right. uh, identify the body, but, uh, but yeah. And that, that, that was my point. I don't want that to be the lasting memory of her. And my mom was kind of, she was on the same boat with me and my dad was like, I can't not see her for the last time. So my dad went and, you know, identified her and, um, did that shit. And I remember being, you know, in, in the room with my mom and, you know, having a good long hug and cry and, uh, you know, and, you know, it's just like, I can't do it. I can't go see her like that. You know, that's, and then, and then a week later, you know, my mom being upset, like, am I, am I a bad mother? Cause I didn't go see her. And I said, again, you, you know, you, you, you had a limited time to make a decision and you made a decision with the best information available to you. That being that you don't want to see that. You don't, you don't need that. Yeah. And at that point, you're the one who, like you said, is alive and has to deal with that. She's not going, what the hell, Ma? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and that's an image that you will not, you will, you know, you'll wake up to and it's never going to leave you. So, so then Fred, uh, Fred, my dad uh, comes back and he says, you know, yeah, I went and saw her. He's like, he's like, I took a picture and we were like, what? Like, like the shock was almost more than when she, like you did, you like, you took a fucking selfie with her. What are you talking? You took a picture of her. I was like, do not like, don't hand me your phone. Like, I don't want to open up his phone. Like, you, you know, you like the iPhone will give you like, you know, Hey, here's a random memory from two years ago. Like, is her fucking dead face going to pop up? It's like, it's, he's like, and then he's like, I don't know. I don't like, maybe the, maybe the kids will want to see like, I mean, and, but again, He's doing this exact same thing we're doing, which is he's making a decision based on, you know, he's like, I don't, I, I don't know. That's amazing. That's hilarious. I mean, your dad's the king of taking tons of photos that are never being seen by anybody. <laughs> well, yeah, that, and then, and then another, you know, funny thing to lift this up a little bit is the, uh, you know, from the, uh, the funeral. Uh, so Fred had to fly in from California and then he has like clothes and my parents are divorced and he has clothes in the basement, but he has like a suit from the 1990s. So if you've watched, uh, you know, last dance, you see all those giant suits Jordan was wearing that were like in style from the fucking nineties. So Fred like has to wear, has to wear one of those suits to the funeral. And it just looked, it was so oversized, like Harambee, the gorilla that died in Cincinnati was right around then. And that's what I said. I was like, what did you, did you get that suit off of Harambee's body after the funeral? <laughs> Ridiculously large. So that song, uh, what the fuck is it? That, uh, 
baby, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Oh yeah. yeah. So that's the song that would always play on oh, right. my dad's phone when Jamie would call him. And, uh, so like we, we had the funeral, at like a, like a golf, I don't know, like at a, you know, like a party room at a golf center. Like that's like what you can get last second. Uh, so it was, just, it was a nice, a very, very nice space, pretty, you know, with the golf course view, but, uh, they had like a speaker system for afterwards, but then, unbeknownst to me fred's going up to speak last and he like has them play the the tune the baby don't hurt me no more and he kind of like kind of comes up to it and then and then forgets to mention why he's playing it like nobody knows besides like me and my mom nobody knows that that's the song that plays when she calls so then he comes up i was like hey great job uh but you forgot to mention the song he's like what he's like no no i said it i was like no no you strutted up at your daughter's funeral to rock and roll music and then never addressed why you did that. He's like, and he was horrified. Right. No, 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 no. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. We, got, we have it on tape too. We, do we, should we put the, uh, should we, there's going to be a Patreon episode of this where we, we have the, the funeral is on tape. Like one of that's my, my aunt just sat there with her, with her phone and recorded the whole thing. That's amazing and hilarious. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, your dad. I mean, your dad. I mean, the, the you're talking about like the lowest moment of your life. Mine, or the one of the hardest things was call, I talked to you while you guys were driving, and then calling Fred, and that feeling of uh, when you're like, all right, I should call him. I'm close with your dad for those listening. That feeling of like, all right, I should call this person, and I don't know what I'm gonna say when they pick up, and that feeling of just like this is what I'm supposed to do. So you like hit dial and don't think about it. And then him answer, just him like answering was so emotional. And then I just said, uh, I don't know what else. I don't know what to say other than I love you. And then your dad said, that's enough. And it's the hardest I've cried in my entire life. And never had any moment like that with my own parents. <laughs> and um, Wait, yeah, I remember just, <laughs> just um, hanging up the phone and like probably the hardest I've cried ever in my life. Because uh, it is a thing of like, what I mean, particularly, I mean, at least obviously like you and I are um, closer and in age and in French. So you're talking to somebody's parent. I'm like, yo, <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand what to say. Um, yeah. I, so I don't what, like, what did you find the best situation? What the best thing for someone to say is in that situation, just for future reference. Uh. I, well, there's one thing that was said that I, I thought was kind of cold at the time. Uh, so a, a friend of mine from college uh, had lost his brother maybe three or four years before that. Uh, you know, my younger sister, his younger brother, and they were super tight. And uh, he, he drove down from Cleveland. You know, he just came down for the service and went back, you know, day tripped it. But, uh, but he, he pulled me aside and he was just like, um, he, I, like I said, I thought it was, he goes, he goes, you'll be fine. He's like, he's like, he's like, you'll be fine. He's like, your parents will never be fine. They were, right. you know, they will be, you know, devastated every day for the rest of their lives. He's like, you'll move on. He's like, you live, you live in another city. And, and that, and, and then that has, you know, come to pass. I guess that's kind of, I would, I wouldn't deliver it exactly like that, but uh, you know, to someone else, uh, you know, I'd soften the blow a little bit, but especially like, I don't live, I don't live in the city that she lived in. I didn't see her daily. Um, you know, uh, 
and I get to escape it. You know, I get like, I'd never, she never visited me in New York. Like she, she visited years before you know, I moved here when she got pregnant. So there was never, you know, opportunities. We talked about it, but so I don't see her. I don't, I don't go to McSorley's and see her, you know, I don't go to the city field and see her. But when I'm, you know, when I'm in Cleveland or, you know, like I spent uh, all that time in Ohio this summer, uh, you know, there's the bedroom I stay in is the room she used to live in. And there's a fucking shrine of pictures all around, you know, right. So, you know, and her kids are there, you know, and I'm, you know, I try to stay in touch with the kids, but, um, so that makes it easier. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that there is, you know, just, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of you or yeah. I, it's strange now, you know, you have like, you go on a date or you meet a new person that's like, Oh, so do you have kids? You know, you have, you have, uh, you have siblings or whatever. You're like, uh, you know, and I'm, I try not to have a scripted response or anything, but you know, like, you know, I was like, uh, yeah, I have a sister. And then, you know, this woman was like, Oh, where does she live? And I was like, Oh, she doesn't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to jump right into like, yeah, she, but then you get like the people, you, <sighs> You, people, people will get like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you're like, yeah, all right, just can we move on? Like, you, you don't need to be sorry about something that happened years before I met you. You're like, it's just, it's, you know. So, yeah, it, it's, it's weird to be on that side of it because I just dealt with it a little bit when people were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And you just have to be like this. That's okay. <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> thing. I'm like, nah, it's fun yeah. or whatever. You know, it, it's, it's awkward for both parties, I guess. Yeah. No, there was uh, this was like a year ago. I was went on a date and I was explaining how my cousin has uh, he's got a tattoo of his uh, of his wife's heartbeat right here on his mm -hmm. arm, and it's I thought was like we we're talking about like what acceptable tattoos are. I was like oh, that's pretty cool, and then you know we and then we talked about my sister, and I was like oh I have a tattoo of my sister's heartbeat right here. It's <laughs> like but you don't you know, and then she starts getting upset. Like, all right, this is probably not going to work out if you're not on board with dark humor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The people, people never know the level of what's all right, I guess. And what's not. But that, that happened when I was 18, when I was a senior in high school, uh, a friend of mine got killed in a car accident. A couple guys died and, uh, we were at the funeral and, uh, you know, just big line of kids, high school kids. And there's hundreds of them there. And, you know, and then I knew the family a little bit better. I, you know, had sleepovers when we were kids and shit. And so I'm the one I'm towards the end of the line. Maybe there's three or four after me. And I say to, you know, the dad, I say, you know, I'm so sorry. And, and I was like, the, he'd gotten so many, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's like, I was the one that snapped him probably just coincidentally, but he just fucking, you know, he's like, I'm so fucking sick of hearing that my fucking son's dead. And he's just like going off. And I was like, it scarred me for years, like about, about funerals and shit where I'm just like, I don't, you know, I mean, still to this day, I think about that, you know, when I'm at someone's thing, like I try to pick my words very carefully. Yeah, it's hard. That's why it's like, uh, sometimes I love you is better than I'm sorry of just yeah. like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's why also like to physically be there is just easier because you can be like, I can just physically be sitting here and then you can navigate where yeah. the conversation goes. But like on the phone, particularly, you're just kind of like, yeah, ah. I think I was more afraid to say I love you to a grown man as an 18 year old boy being called a homo for the rest of the school year. So <laughs> Um, Cleveland in 1995, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's brutal. And I'm sorry. It just feels like, oh, I know everyone else is saying this, but, um, it's hard. It almost makes you want to just walk up and be like, Hey, great shirt or you know, just something, anything to like mix it up. 
I guess, I guess share, sharing a memory is probably the best thing. Cause like one of the, my, my mom, I know had a great time. Uh, you know, she sat with some of Jamie's high school friends and they were telling her, you know, crazy shit that they did in high school that my mom had never heard. So if you can, if you can share, you know, personal experience, I think that's what, uh, people, that, that people can, uh, yeah, gravitate and move towards. Right. Or appreciate yeah. I guess, and that's it was harder for me because I'm like much closer with you and Fred than I will. I could be like, I drank with Jamie that one time, remember? Yeah. And I don't really remember what went on, but I remember she was there and we were drinking. <laughs> it's not a great memory. Yeah. Did she ever come to those dating shows we were doing? I don't know. I don't, can't remember if her, I think they, her and my mom came across and got drunk and stayed at the condo with us. Yeah, I think she might have. And then one time when you went to that wedding, Megan and I oh, yeah. went to a party that she was at, or I don't know if it was her party, but she was there. I hung out. I feel like I hung with your sister more without you than I hung out with, with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we hung a few times and then sorry with the kid, obviously somebody just sent me a yeah. weird text from, I don't know what the fuck this is. Um, but as, far, as far as that, like, you know, the guy saying, you know, you'll be fine. You know, it is like, I guess day to day you are fine, but then there are, there are times where just cause like through most of this, a lot of times I can talk clinically about, you know, the situation with her and this is X, Y, and Z and, you know, not get wrapped up in the emotion of it. I mean, today we talked about some of the stuff that I haven't talked about in a while. So it's, you know, it's not as scripted or, you know, uh, it just hits you different, but, but there are, you know, like this project, this thing, you know, there were like a lot of funny things towards the end of her life that I'd like to put down, but it's so hard to like put yourself in the mindset. It's like why I haven't watched these, like it's hard to watch like a nine 11 movie. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be depressed for the next two hours. Like anytime you get involved in that. So, yeah, but yeah, there, like, but there's times where, you know, it just seems like, you know, it seems like the past seems like the distant past and I'm not connected to it. But then there's other times where you're like, you know, you tune into it. It's, and you, and it's, and it's, uh, and it's devastating all over again. Yeah, that's, uh, that seems like that's uh, natural. That's the nature of death. I just used nature twice, but that's the, the nature of death. And I think like, that's pretty normal from what I see and hear. It's like, obviously, and then you start to feel that guilt of moving on with your regular life. And then you start to feel guilty for not thinking about it, but that's the way it has to be. You can't just exist in sadness thinking about someone that's not there. I mean, it's like anything else in life. It, it, ultimately, it's acceptance and you can't change that thing. I talk about stoicism a lot on the podcast and you can't change. I mean, it's like the courage to change the things you can and the serenity to whatever that, whatever the saying is, obviously I know it, but I'm screwing it up, but uh, accept the things you cannot change and yeah, yeah. Um, the power to whatever, whatever I, I'm screwing it up here in this moment, but accept <laughs> it. <laughs> Google serenity prayer. Um, yeah. yeah I, take, I, I say it every day of my life and now I can't, say it here but i take the god part out but uh yeah yeah but uh you know the you can keep it keep it whatever whatever <laughs> whatever, whatever makes you happy yeah what exactly whatever what makes you happy float, but. Float. but yeah they like with yeah with drinking though there are times where well i guess i don't really go out that much anymore but you know pre-pandemic you know, i'd come home ripped and i got you know i got a couple pictures of my grandparents that are no longer with us and uh jamie and, uh, you know, I'll start looking at the pictures and, you know, I'll have my, you know, cry for the month or the, or the two months or whatever it is. So I'm good for, good for a few of those a year, but it also feels cathartic and, you know. 
Yeah, it's like plugging in, connecting. I mean, it's like it's it's good for you. It's almost like charging your battery. You're like, let me plug in, connect to this, feel this pain, get it out. Yeah. Um, that helps to not, you know, punch a cab driver in the face or something. If something goes wrong, you know, <laughs> get some of that emotion out. But um, we got to wrap up. This is the longest uh, episode we've ever done. Well, I think, we're, I think we lost the first 20 minutes. So, No, I think we'll be able to clean it up, hopefully. I don't know. I mean, there's times where like when you're saying the most poignant stuff that you just froze on my end, but I'm hoping that it yeah. catches up or whatever. And then there was a moment where it was literally like slow-mo, like, a, like a, we're doing a compilation of you, like you passed, <laughs> and it's just you being like... Um, but I appreciate uh, you coming on and uh, your candidity. What is that? Op- openness? Honesty? Candid? Candidacy. <laughs> I would really welcome your candidacy at this point. <laughs> these guys both stink. Um, one stinks a lot more than the other. I don't want to... Again, it's hard not to go that direction, but yeah. I'd vote for you is my point. But yeah, my past, I thought about that. I thought, I thought I'd be a good politician, but my past material would get me knocked out by the left pretty quickly. Oh yeah, you'd be done. But your haircut might help cross over and get some of those <laughs> Republican votes just by the look of you. Um, all right, we got to wrap up. Where, where, uh, where can they, the folks find you? Uh, mostly uh, Instagram is what I like. Uh, Jason Cantor, K-A-N-T-E-R. Uh, Joe tagged me in a picture the other day. It's probably the easiest way to find me. On Hell yeah. Uh, what was that? Two days? Oh, that was Sunday as well? Or was that? No. I don't even know if I posted a photo Sunday. Right. The, uh, the, the, the panorama. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. That must have been Saturday or maybe Friday. Friday. Barbecue, yeah. Friday. But yeah, that's like my, and I mean, if you, if you like, if you don't like Donald Trump, my Facebook is just hate. I just get drunk and hate rant against them and just try to pick fights with people. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's basically, uh, basically what happens these days. So nice. Yeah. Is your album available to stream? You gotta get that thing streaming. I could record a new one, but, uh, yeah, I, I wonder, uh, they played on a serious exam. I still get the royalty checks and stuff, but yeah, I guess I should, I don't I don't even know if I want the jokes out there anymore. I mean, it's like 13 years old at this point. I was gonna say, you can put it on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube now. Get that thing on YouTube. Just put Jason Canner full album. Okay. Um, hell yeah. Well, you're the most referenced person on Tuesdays with stories. So they know you're yeah. from there. I get recognized more from your show than anything I've ever done on my own. So, uh, makes me feel okay. good. Joe got recognized in the park the other day too. Yeah, sitting right next to Louie, which was fun. Yeah, A-list celebrity. Um, the guy's Joe List, Sarah Talamon. <laughs> hey. uh, that was fun. But uh, let's not, I want to talk about all those guys throwing baseballs. It was, it was rough <laughs> to watch. <laughs> There's, I always talk to Sarah about this. I'm like, this is, I know it's bad and I should be more progressive or whatever, or maybe it's misogynistic or toxic masculinity, but I am extremely judgmental about men that cannot throw baseballs. Yeah, you expect I a just, sports fan especially to be able to, <laughs> you can keep score of a game, you should be able to whip a ball. I just see people, you're like, wow. Well, in defense of, of Louis particular, he just seemed like he didn't have the range of motion. Like he knows how to throw a ball, but like he couldn't get his shoulder up. He, he loosened up as he went along. Yeah, the first, yeah. The first couple of throws were rough and then he, yeah, he started coming around. But there was some other people there that you're just like, what is going on here? <laughs> Docker. I'm just like, oof. But um, anyways, but that's, that's my toxic masculinity. I think a man should be able to throw a baseball with at least 55 miles an hour. 
I'm saying minimum. I'm trying to teach my nephew that just as a, like, you'll be more respected when you're in college. <laughs> like, you know, don't even worry about the women, just the other men that are judging you. Sarah tells a story about dating a guy. And um, the first time they swam together, he was doing like doggy paddle and I like, couldn't keep it. And she was just like, I, I lost it. I couldn't, I had to just move on sexually. Uh, um, all right. We got to wrap up. Thanks so much, right. buddy. I appreciate it. That was fun. I'm going to hit stop. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts. Mm-hmm.